Hello and welcome to the next in our series of Scottish Premiership Season Preview Podcast on Energy Sports. I'm Sean McGill and today our focus is on Motherwell, who continued to impress fans and media alike last season, securing third spot and another European adventure. Joining me to chat about the Steel Men is Andy Ross from the MFC Podcast. Andy, how are you doing? Yeah, good. Thanks very much for having me on today. No bother at all. Uh, do you want to tell people how you came about doing the MFC podcast? What sort of made you decide that you wanted to start that up? It's, it's something that's been going on for, for five or six years now. It stemmed from a conversation in a group chat after the resignation of Stuart McCall. And we were debating it and it was quite interesting how there was varied opinions on the situation. And we just suggested committing something to the record and since then it's just thrown arms and legs really. Um, it had stopped for a while and, and then came back during lockdown uh, with 15 episodes in a fortnight for the Scottish Association of Mental Health and it, it's just something that I think as a fan of a so-called smaller club or possibly put it more accurately a team out with the big two. Yeah. People have a platform to listen to just dedicated motherly chat uh, from fans. Uh, so we've been very lucky. We've had a lot of brilliant guests. The club have been very supportive. Uh, I personally, I, I do the, the longer listen mothers official podcast, and it is it's open doors for stuff like that. So yeah, love doing it. Uh, I think during the early stages of the season, certainly we'll we'll do more podcasts, given that. Fans will be in a very unfamiliar situation of, of sitting in the house watching games or perhaps some being able to go to the pub to watch it, but it's, uh, mm. it's certainly not the usual circumstances in pre-season and it's not going to be when the season kicks off. How did that feel, sort of, uh, just starting off your own podcast and then being approached by the club to do their own official one? That must be pretty mad. Uh, yeah, that, that was a huge honour. Uh, really, really big thing for me it's it's strange having access like that and as I say the the club from the the chief exec to the manager and to the playing staff we we had access to them all on the MSC podcast but it it just ramped up to a bigger audience and going to Fur Park and and recording as well it's it's a special thing as a mother supporter and 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 something I'm certainly very proud of yeah, um, I said in my intro there that it was another fantastic season for Motherwell last year. Did you see it coming? Because there was sort of, you had a really good um, Betfred Cup campaign and there were sort of rumblings in this could be a good season, but did you expect it to be, to that extent, to be best of the rest effectively? Uh, honestly, no. <laughs> yeah. no. Not at all. I thought going into the season, I expected Aberdeen to be pretty strong. Kelly had a fantastic season season before. Yep. You then get Hearts and Hibs through a budget well beyond what Mother will do. And I was expecting both of them to have a very strong seasons. Both obviously off to horrendous starts and while Hibs improved somewhat, the same can't be said for Hearts. Then after that you, you've got a kind of cluster of teams with similar budgets and you, you just don't really know what's going to happen. 
the, the Betfred games are aren't a very good barometer I've tend to find in terms of coming up against lower league sides where you're going to have a lot of the ball, you're going to dominate games, quite often win quite emphatically as well. But when the, when the proper stuff starts, that's the real acid test. And, and Muddleding got off a great start. 2-0-0 at Livingston in the opening day. Lost heavily to Celtic, albeit going 1-0 up, but lost the game 5-2 and, and get knocked out of the, the Betfair Cup by heart. Until the the defeated Aki's before the end of August, it was uh, it was hard to gauge where they were. But I think that that victory at Hamilton just kind of set things going, and from there, right up until Christmas, there was some excellent results and, and some really good performances as well. It isn't the kick and rush style that that some accused mother will love. The, the ball was on the deck. The playing nice attacking football. And it was breeding results. After Christmas, it was a bit more difficult, it must be said. Uh, they got the victory at Aberdeen. And that was the last victory until the beat was counted two games before lockdown. So 2020 didn't start particularly well, but uh, I think the, the good work done in the first half of the season certainly did have been good said. And I think, to be honest with you, I would have been pretty confident that we could have maintained third place. We seem to be finding forum at the right time going into the, the business end of the season. It's a shame that we didn't get to do it in front of the fans because there's, there's a lot of players have left that were great servants to the club and it's a massive, massive achievement for a club that otherwise to finish third place. So, yeah, I, I think what I'm trying to say is it was a wee bit bittersweet actually because yeah. for, to have such a great season and not to be in the stadium and, and celebrate that was, it was a wee bit disappointing. It's interesting you mentioned the style of play there and how people perceive it because I was interested to talk to you about it and get your thoughts on it because it's kind of, I think a lot of people see it as it's attractive and um, it's still entertaining but it's also quite hard and physical. So it's not often you get that sort of combination of both those attributes maybe. So what would you say about Motherwell's style of play under Robinson last year? Yeah, I I think last season was was the most attractive we've been under Stephen Robinson, certainly. Though I completely get what you're saying, and I think that's 100% correct as well. We've got players, kind of the likes of Liam Donnelly in the middle of the park, the most booked player in the Premiership last season. <laughs> um, he's got about four fouls in him a game. Uh, we, know, we know how to mix it up when we have to. And I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. There's the likes of County, Livingston, Johnston to a certain extent, I think they're, they're all quite powerful physical sides and you've got to be able to go to the likes of McDermott Park and, and mix it up and, and battle for results at times. These games are, are the ones that will decide Motherwell's season, not games against the big two. So, yeah, I, I think the, the, the style of play was much better last season, certainly. Uh, and that was aided by the fact that we did have more kind of ball playing midfielders, the likes of Liam Polworth, who had a fantastic first season uh, and, and rightfully was included in the, the team of the year. And we've got that power as well. We've possessed quite a threat from set pieces with Declan Gallagher coming forward, and Chris Long was a, a real threat from set pieces as well. So 
I, I think we've got the potential to mix it up, though I, I do prefer seeing a, an entertaining brand of football. That yeah, being I said, I think the season's gone by. We maybe get a bit of a hard time for the, the kind of hammer thrower's reputation based on a couple of games rather than actually what went on over the course of the season. Mm, that's interesting. Uh, you mentioned Declan Gallagher being one of the players who provided more of a threat from set pieces, but um, it was a lot more than just that, wasn't he? Sort of, I think a lot of people would say he'd be one of the signings of the season last summer. Uh, just how much of a difference did he make to not even just the defence of Motherwell, but sort of the ambition of the club as a whole? Oh, Sean, there's, there's no downplaying his contribution. It was a signing that was deemed by quite a few people as a risk. It came with a bit of baggage and, and there was a few question marks in the likes of fan forums and high involved. Is this the type of guy that a club that have got a reputation as a family club should be signing? But he, he's knuckled down, he's earned himself a place in the Scotland reckoning and he's it, just demonstrated that he had real leadership qualities and that's been backed up by the fact that Stephen Robinson's appointed him captain for the forthcoming season. He's so powerful, he's a great pace as well, but in kind of one-on-one situations, very few people will take him on successfully, and his ability to get back in after he's, he's perhaps out of position is really, really good as well. It was a back and find, and I, th- I think we'll, we'll no doubt go on and talk about signings that we've brought in, but I'm interested to see how he'll team up with his old teammate Ricky Lamy, who they formed a really formidable partnership with at Livingston. So I'm very much hoping for more of the same. But I think it shows his progression that he was a natural choice for captain, despite the fact that only 12 months ago there was there was real question marks over even signing them in the first place. Yeah, and it was such a successful season, and um, everything was going so well at Motherwell. And then just a few weeks ago, there was that sort of moment of trepidation when Stephen Robinson's allowed permission to speak to Northern Ireland. Um, maybe you could just sort of explain how much of an impact he's had at Motherwell over the past few years and sort of try and convey how scary that was when uh, such a successful manager was linked to his national job. Yeah, we, we tend to have that quite a lot, whether that be playing staff or successful managers. And I think, first and foremost, Stephen Robinson came in and turned around a, a situation where the team was badly struggling under Mark McGee, the, the confidence was completely shot, and he kept the team up, which was absolutely crucial to maintain a top flight status. And, and, and then since then, he's just really, really kicked on. The two cup finals in the 2017-18 season, then to start last season, or the 2018-19 season quite poorly. He then introduced the likes of Jake Casey, David Turnbull, Alan Campbell was given a more consistent role in the team. Chris Cadden was again as well. And the style of football changed, the, the dynamic of the club changed as well. And then to kick on again last season to finish in the top six, first and foremost, for the first time in quite a number of years, mm. but also to finish up as best of the rest. It's an incredible achievement. And I think he's done that as well with a huge player turnaround. Muddle tend to lose eight or nine every summer and he's got to scour about. He quite often says that there's teams in the English panorama that have got bigger budgets available to them than Muddle will have. 
yet again, he, he's managed to produce these gems or kind of rough diamonds, as he refers to them as, players that have lost their way somewhat in the game. He'll bring them in and, and, and try and give them that confidence boost on this platform to demonstrate their abilities. And more often than not, he gets it right. He doesn't get it right all the time, but he's, he's got a, a really good track record of, of recruiting players and then Muddle can then sell them on for profit. In terms of the the Northern Ireland thing, well, we had that in the summer, uh, sorry, at Christmas time with Harps, where I thought that he was an obvious choice. And now we were talking about the, the Longer Listen podcast. I did one with Alan Burroughs, and he admitted he was very surprised Harps didn't approach for Stephen Robinson. And they kind of lost was our gain continued on and led the club to third. Then again, when I saw the shortlist for the Northern Ireland job, I, w- I was pretty confident that we were going to be looking for a new manager and, and somehow it ended up going to Dean Barraclough, one of our former managers. And I know he's done a good job with the Northern Irish under-21s, but I suspect that it's maybe been made with, with money in mind, that decision, because I really believe that of the four candidates, Stephen Robinson was the strongest one. And, you're just waiting for the next one, to be honest. As, as soon as a club starts to struggle at the start of the season, I, I very much expect that Stephen Robinson will be one of the front runners. And he might be thinking just now, apart from winning a cup, where else can you take Motherwell? He's not going to win the league. Um, and he, he's got that massive past in terms of turnover and things like that. But from speaking to people inside the club, he, he's very, very dedicated, he's very devoted to his job and, and he's very happy at Motherwell, so I hope we can we can keep him, but to answer your original question, which I've failed to do so in the last five minutes there, <laughs> uh, he's, he's so highly thought of in and around the club and yeah, we were all really, really worried that he, he was going to potentially depart. You mentioned there about the, the turnover that uh, of players that he has to deal with and it's maybe not been as big an issue this year, but it's certainly still the case that a few sort of key players have gone. And I think the sort of standout one would be Mark Gillespie and Goals, who's went down to Newcastle. Uh, do you think that's a really big loss for Motherwell? Because I think a lot of people would say he was the best keeper outside the old firm last year. I, I would have to agree with that. Yeah, I think he was absolutely tremendous. And at times, one is points almost single-handedly. Fantastic shot stopper, brilliant in one-on-one situations as well. And first and foremost, it's a fantastic move for Mark to go to his boyhood club. He has a season ticket at Newcastle, uh, came through their youth ranks, so kind of complete that full circle. And I think it's a great advertisement for Motherwell as well that a player can come to Perth Park, he'll be given a platform to play, and that's where it can take you. It's, it's not something that many fans will see, or and I'm not trying to say that as I'm seeing the bigger picture, but players can come to Motherwell and they can look at the likes of Mark Gillespie that you can get yourself out of the shop window and you can win yourself that big move. Another example of that is the likes of Cedric Keepery who went to Wigan, but it looks like he's on the radar of West Ham just now, so he could become a Premier League player as well. Uh, it's not really worked out for William Oak, but initially he was scoring goals in the English Championship, so these guys get their moves and ultimately further their career by making more money. 
I think I'd, the biggest compliment to Mark Gillespie would be that when Trevor Carson was diagnosed with his, his deep brain thrombosis and really, really serious injury, you're worried how you're going to replace an international goalkeeper. And the transition was absolutely seamless. Mark Gillespie kept Trevor Carson out when Trevor Carson was back to practice. And it looked like Carson was potentially going to leave the football club. So, yeah, he was, he was a great, great servant to the club over the season and a half of solid game time that he had. And it, it will be badly missed. I think it'll, we're lucky in the fact that we've got such a good understudy in Trevor Carson. I think the, the transition back to Carson being the number one will be fairly straightforward. But I think any club would really miss a goalkeeper of that quality. And I, I, was, I was just pleased to see him go to such a, a big club as well. It's a fantastic opportunity. And I, I really hope that he doesn't just get lost in the game. I hope he's not going to be a post-choice goalie. But if he gets the chance, I'm sure he'll take it. Yeah, you mentioned Trevor Carson there. I think people were maybe a bit worried about Motherwell's uh, goalkeeper situation. They might have just forgotten about how good Trevor Carson has been over the years. And they did bring in Scott Fox as well, who um, some part of the fans might have derided that move a bit. But are you confident that Carson can make a good impression in, um, as number one and then Fox will just be there to back him up? I, th- I think Scott Fox will be there to put the pressure on him, certainly. Um, and I've- I read all the, the tweets and, and everything else from Patrick Thistle fans. Mm. Uh, really, to be honest, I don't think Patrick Thistle fans have got a great deal to be laughing about. Uh, <laughs> a, a, a club that are heading for Europe and they're flagging us off. For, uh, uh, they need to find a laugh somewhere. Yes, I, 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 do, I do admit that he, he, I wasn't thrilled by the signing, certainly, but he's not coming to be number one. He's got experience of the top flight football. It kind of sits too close to take Samson for me to uh, be positive about it, but I, I hope he does well. And I certainly don't ever want anyone that joins a football club to, to be a failure or to embarrass themselves. And I, and I, don't, I don't think he will. He, he's got a lot of experience. I know that he's, his mistakes have been highlighted in the past. Maybe working alongside a goalkeeper, the standard of Trevor Carson will push him on and take hints with the goalie coach as well. He's got a great reputation. So, yeah, as I say, I think it was very much just there to be the understudy. I wasn't delighted, but I'm, I'm sure that he'll maybe prove a couple of the naysayers wrong. Yeah, in terms of players that Mullerwell brought in this summer, it's been, um, they've been one of the busier sides. I think. Uh, perhaps the most controversial would be signing Jake Hastie again on loan from Rangers. And this did sort of uh, become quite divisive between Motherwell fans, it seemed, on social media. Where do you stand on that uh, sort of um, people are questioning Jake Hastie's loyalty after leaving the club last time around? I think when when any player leaves for Rangers or Celtic, there's straight away a that will just completely turn against them and it's, it's easy to remember that or easy to forget I guess that, that Jake has only played for 16, 17 games for the first team and, and then left he was, he was far from the finished article he spent the first half of that season on loan at Aloha and then the frustration builds when he arrives at Ibrox and then straight away he's farmed out and loan down south it, it just kind of feels like you've been weakened 
for the sake of it, really, and, and for him to end up back at Motherwell this season. It's, it's fair to say he's moved to the Rangers, hasn't worked out as yet. But from watching last night's friendly, he looks really hungry. Uh, words that I've had from training is that he's really, really determined to make a mark, silence some of the doubters that he's got within the Muddles support. And, and you know yourself, football fans are fickle. If he scores an opening day at Ross County and catches <laughs> a badge, then all will be forgiven. <laughs> but yeah. I, I, think he, I think he's got a point to prove both to Stephen Gerrard and also the Muddle fans that he didn't just give up in the football club, but he's, he's very happy to be here. And you can imagine tell from his interviews that he's delighted to be back, delighted to be around, delighted to David Turnbull and Alan Campbell, who you can do the youth setup with. I, I think he'll be a good acquisition. He was excellent for the most part when he broke into the team, and if he can produce that sort of form, then it'll be quickly forgotten about where he came from. Speaking about the signings more generally, because Motherwell were sort of one of the first teams to really get their business done, and it seemed like they had them lined up for a while. What have you made of the sort of uh, busy transfer window so far. It just this has almost become part of the course that that we're bringing a raft of signings and there's a, a raft of departures as well. To be fair, um, with the exception of Jordan White, who has got a very good goal scoring record, and I've, I've seen a bit of uh, during his time at Inverness, don't really have much background knowledge in anyone else. I mentioned Ricky Lamy, of course, but the, the rest of it are kind of coming from the lower leagues in England and maybe a wee bit of kind of unknown quantities, but I think it's, it's been good that we've got that core of a squad in place. I know the transfer window will run to October and maybe that will mean that if we've got a bad start, we'll, we'll add a couple in, but I think having that core of a squad and, and getting back to pre-season and almost having your, your squad in place Will make it quite seamless and, and quite an easy bedding in process rather than just kind of drip feeding new guys into the squad constantly. And I, I, don't, I don't know if it, that's something to do consciously. As you say, they, they seem to kind of do their business pretty early, and the, there's kind of names that start to get rumoured about. And nine times out of ten, the other guys that come in, it's, uh, we seem to identify our targets and do our utmost to get them. So. Yeah, I'm fairly pleased and uh, been so far, but it's very hard to judge without these these bet bed games where you used to go along and kind of like who's the new number twenty two and, and things like that. But uh, having only seen one friendly, it would be unfair to, to judge the rest of the guys. Yeah, despite doing a fair bit of business, do you still feel that there's certain positions that Mother will need to improve on if they're going to sort of maintain that level of last season? I would like to see us bring in another centre back. Um, I think Declan Gallagher and Ricky Lamy will be the third pairing at centre back. Liam Donnelly played in there in the first half of last night, friendly at Ibrook, and that just was a reminder that Liam Donnelly is not a centre back. The, the other option there is Bevis McGabby, who I think put in a basically a career-ending performance in the, the Scottish Cup exit to St Martin last year, we were 4-1 down at half-time. And I think if he could have just 
left for pass and never came back at half time. He would have he would have been quite tempted to do so. He, he just doesn't look up to the standard required. So I would prefer to see a, a centre back come in. And I would also like to see a kind of wide attacking player. Just to supplement Hasty on the other side. The the reality is I think we'll maybe get one of the two. I think you will probably prioritise the centre back position just because if you do lose Lamy or you lose Gallagher, I think we'd be very, very vulnerable and I don't think you particularly want to take the risk of Gabby. So I'm interested to see what happens, but I, I think it is hinted at one more coming in before the season starts. And I think maybe towards that October deadline, depending on whether the club have got the guarantee of the revenue of supporters coming back into the stadium and stuff like that, I think that's when you'll see a decision made and whether there'll be any more. It, quite, it must be quite difficult to budget for, for new additions when you don't know what the financial landscape is going to be over the course of the season. And a man who isn't a new signing but very well might feel like one is David Turnbull, considering he only had the sort of couple of sub appearances towards the end of last season um, after his big injury that stopped his move, of course, to Celtic. Um, but is there maybe uh, a chance that he'll find it tough to break into that Mullerwell midfield that was so good last year, you know, like Sir Paul Worth, Donnelly, Campbell? Do you think it's now more of a struggle for Turnbull to sort of guarantee a place in that midfield, or is he too talented? Too talented to be honest. Right. I, I, I think that as soon as David Turnbull is Mark Sharp, then he's going to be on our team. And I really do believe that he'll, he'll pick on. I've got my doubts that given the increased interest and the reports of increased interest, that we'll even keep him until October, to be perfectly honest. I think that right. with the kind of rumoured interest in Celtic again and then Leeds United as well. I think if the money's right, given the, the current climate, I wouldn't be too surprised to see him go. Uh, what a boost to have a third place finish secured the previous season without your talisman, a guy that contributed 15 goals from midfield in the previous season. and He's, he's just incredible to watch. I really believe that he goes right to the top of the game. I think he's got the right attitude, all the attributes as well. He, it's like the Matrix sometimes. He seems to kind of know where everyone is and it can pick passes that the players that at that level don't often find. And great eye for goal as well. It's just, it really is a complete package. It's such a shame to be without him for the best part of a year. And it was great to see him back on the park towards the shutdown of the league season. And uh, I don't know if you, you caught the documentary that. I did, yeah. Yeah, it came across great. It was just uh, really well put. And it's the old adage of, I'm not a Motherwell fan, but, but yeah, the social media output was fantastic. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was great to see him, the character of David Turnbull come out as well. And like you said, it seems like he's got a fantastic attitude. Yeah, and I, I, think, that, I think quite a lot of fans of the club get into that. Not kind of, even with the, the kind of terrorist analogy, but the just the fact that this is a guy that should he continue at the rate he is, he's going to be a real player for Scotland as well. Like, it was almost a surprise to see him not included in Scotland squad uh, in the summer of 2019, just before his injury, of course. But the, uh, 
I think he really does have the the world at his feet if he continues at the rate that he was. Obviously, injuries like that, you do think, oh, if he gets a bad tackle and such like, but in the games that I saw when he came back, it didn't look like that at all. It did look like he was missing that sharpness. But I'm sure that will come back with time. And there'll be a lot of players at the restart that are kind of lacking sharpness as well, so that might actually give him that wee extra step in people. And even without um, David Turnbull in the midfield, there was still a young, exciting youth prospect in the middle of the park in Alan Campbell, who I really enjoyed every time I, I watched for Motherwell. Um, do you just explain to me how good you think he could be and what sort of his best attributes are? Yeah, I think he's, he's another one that I would love to just give Alan Campbell a lifetime contract, to be honest. Yeah. And just have him. He's, he's a young boy with such a mature approach to the game. Like Morris Ross described him as a poster boy for the Motherwell Academy. He's, he's always the first one in the gym. He, he does so much extra work and his own technique. He really just dedicates himself to his football. The, the gym work shows because he, he's very powerful, he's very strong. He, but he can play a bit as well. He had a brilliant performance in the Ross County game, the last game at Fuck Park where he scored two goals. When he gets forward, he can contribute with goals. But he's just kind of tough in the tackle to make the simple pass and just break up play. I think that he's been unfortunate in the sense that the likes of Turnbull and Hasty have grabbed all the headlines. But that's possibly been a good thing for Motherwell fans because it's kept Campbell off the radar somewhat. Yeah. He's an excellent young talent. He's got an extended contract just now. Uh, though, again, it will be another one that Mother will see as an asset and eventually there will be a time where, where Alan Campbell moves on. I wouldn't have been greatly surprised if he had been appointed vice-captain or even captain. I think just a wee bit too young for him, but Keith Lasley, then he's the kind of, he's the captain of the young team. All the kind of young guys coming through, he's a go-to guy and, and that just is another demonstration of his his great attitude to the game and his great maturity. So, yeah, I, I think you're, you're right to pinpoint someone like Campbell, uh, who had a great first half of the season, like quite a few of them, kicking back a wee bit jaded after the winter break. And I think that given that Alan had played in the Toulon tournaments and with the under 21s in the summer months of the previous couple of years, I think maybe just all that football was beginning to catch up on him. But again, as as we approached the, the shutdown, he was he was really back to form and uh, an integral part of our team, and, and I would say one of the first names in the team sheet. We've spoken about so many positives there for Motherwell. I mean, there's the youth players coming through. There's a fantastic manager. There's the increasingly entertaining style of football. There's sort of an innovative uh, CEO and Alan Burrows. There's the great social media output. How does it sort of feel? Because I think everyone outside the old firm would say if they would like their club to emulate another one in the Premiership or Scottish football generally, it would probably be Motherwell at this moment in time. Is that quite an odd position to be in as a Motherwell firm? Uh, I, I don't know. I, I, think, I think I kind of look at it sometimes as we're, we are quite spoiled. We, we've got, a, a, as you say, the, and, and it comes from Alan Burroughs in terms of his, his attitude as a person. He, he drives everyone to be the 
couple of best they can and get the best out of them. They've got the right people in at the club, from the kit man right up to the man in charge of the football team and the academy. It's, it's just it's all very positive. I think the fan ownership model is one that is quite exciting. That it gives fans a real feeling of, of togetherness and having a, a very small say in how, how the football club is run. Yeah, there, there have, there's been some tough times uh, during it all as well, but I think the majority is overwhelmingly positive. And as I think we're speaking, what, 24 hours removed from a bit of a heavy friendly defeat, and it was quite interesting to see the kind of knickers in a proper twist over a friendly defeat to a side that had, had played a lot more pre-season matches and had yeah. much more time in the leg. And you think that's that's almost kind of indicative of, of where we're at just now, that a pre-season result is worth getting really, really <laughs> up about because we don't have a great deal to be to be negative about. There's... Uh, there's, there's good times coming. It's, as I've already alluded to, it's such a shame that we're going into next month and the Europa qualifier. It would be such an exciting time to be approaching the draw and everything else. And for us all to be sitting here knowing that we're not going to be there, it is, it is really, really disheartening. But yeah. I, th- I think that when the time comes, then we do get back into stadiums and the season ticket numbers are up as well. It, it just feels like a club that are, are riding the crest of a wave just now. It won't last forever, of course <laughs> it won't. There'll, there'll be other teams that, and I'm sure if you had a, a Kelly fan on... Uh, we do. I'm a, I'm a Kelly fan. <laughs> <laughs> well, but there you go. I mean, I'm sure so, last, last summer, before uh, your Europa League game, mind you, but the you would have had that that real enthusiasm for what was coming next. And then you get beat by a bunch of Welsh part-timers. So it's not that I'm good. I'm kind of hoping that, <laughs> I hope it doesn't, I hope it doesn't replicate it, put it that way. But <laughs> there's always a danger it is something like that. Of course there is, but they, I think if you've got the right people in at the football club, then they'll always be doing their best. But nobody's... Nobody's going out of their way to make Muddle Football Club a worse organisation, put it that way. I think they, if, if you go, and as I say, I'm lucky enough to you know quite a few people within the club personally, and they do work incredibly hard and incredibly long hours to put out a lot of the stuff that you see in social media or to go that extra mile to, to recruit a player when there's six or seven other clubs interested and perhaps offering more money. That's what makes Muddle Football Club just now. And I think it's quite a unique situation. I saw the interview with Mark Gillespie and he's in his Newcastle training kit, but he came on to Motherwell to do a kind of farewell interview. And it almost kind of felt like an advert for for other players if they're down south and maybe lost their way a wee bit. Why don't you come up here for a couple of years and, and just see what happens? And mm. yeah, I, I think that I, I, I don't really know the feeling of, of people looking from the outside and, and feeling envy towards Mother. I've never really sensed that, but it's certainly, as we've already said, it's just a very positive time. And 
it's an exciting time. I, I just wish it was more normal. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, we've been asking all our contributors for their predictions going into the new season. So uh, I know we've still got a transfer window to go and all that sort of stuff. But what's your gut feeling? Do you think that Motherwell can emulate that success of last year? Deep down, I don't think we'll finish third. Uh, the objective is always for me top six. Mm. And we've fallen short of that for many years and then broke into top six last season. So I'd be happy with the fifth or sixth place finish. I don't think there'll be as many strong teams as there was in previous season. I think the, the likes of Kelly, Hibbs, Motherwell, perhaps even Aberdeen, Livingston, there's so many that are going to be much of a muchness and it's going to be very tight. I would imagine St Johnston would mm-hmm. tend to be there or thereabouts as well. So I, I think that how teams start will be very, very important and how teams adjust to the situation with no supporters. The pictures have fallen fairly kindly. Start at Ross County, then in DNA home then Livingston at home. It could have been a lot worse, certainly, and if you can get some points on the board early doors and kick on from there, then, then who knows what could happen. I'm, I'm certainly not hanging my hat on a third-place finish, but I don't think it's beyond us either. Well, Andy, thank you very much for joining me. Before I let you go, do you want to let people know where they can find you on social media or an MFC podcast or the, the official Motherwell podcast? Yeah, yeah, you can find the MFC podcast at MFC Podcast 86 on Twitter. Uh, you can also find Motherwell's podcast, The Longer Listen, uh, on Spotify, iTunes, just by searching Motherwell FC. So, yeah, if you fancy checking either of these out, it'd be much appreciated. Well, brilliant. Thank you again for coming on, Andy. And thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the next in our series of Scottish Premiership Season Preview podcasts. Uh, We'll be back with more next week as well, so please do keep an eye out for those. Subscribe so they appear straight in your feed. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at ENRG Sport or find us online at energysport.net to keep up with the latest from our fantastic team of writers and podcasters. We hope to see you again soon. And until then, thanks for listening. Cheers.